Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Somewhere in the Skies, and we're going to be taking a bit of a departure today on the show. These are the episodes I love to do where we get to kind of stretch our muscles and talk to people in all walks of life about UFOs, about the possibility of extraterrestrial life, or even the, the future of space exploration and going to places we've never been before. And um, for those of you who don't know, I'm when I'm not a ufologist, a self-proclaimed term that we've we've coined here in the UFO world. Uh, I'm a playwright and a screenwriter, and I'm in that world of show business, and I absolutely love it. And you meet so many interesting people along the way, and you make connections you never thought you were you would. And uh, that's kind of what happened with our guest today. Um, many of you know Andrew Sanford, who has been on the podcast uh, numerous times at this point, talking all about UFO themed movies and and stuff like that. And he actually put me in touch with a comedian who we're going to be talking to today. And I'm super excited to have him on. We're going to talk about a new animated series that he has over at Comedy Central that just popped up and is um is is making the rounds right now so i'm super excited to talk to him so let's not waste any more time his cartoon or his animated series is called maurice on mars and joining us today is the creator and that is tim barnes tim welcome to somewhere in the skies yes thank you so much for having me on and I, I'm so like you, your life uh, as a ufologist is so fascinating. First of all, I have to say I'm not used to hearing the term ufologist and I love it. Uh, but you are you are the main character of so many science fiction shows and movies, a passionate UFO, um, uh, uh, someone with UFO interest, someone who wants to um, discover what's happening outside of our planet, who, who seeks new life, like they say in Star Trek. And who I imagine you have a lot of people in your life who don't believe a single word you say. And so that's what makes yeah. you a great protagonist. Like you're, you're the guy. Like it's like I'm talking to the guy from all the sci-fi movies. Well, I really appreciate that. I, you know, um, full transparency, I am wearing an X-Files shirt today. So that could not be more appropriate than today. But yeah, let's let's start with, I guess, how you and I first got connected we both live here in new york city i'm in queens uh you're in an undisclosed location because i don't (laughs) want people doxing you but uh, yeah how did um of course of course let's get the seven degrees of um separation (laughs) between you and i if you don't mind uh yeah so our our mutual friend andrew sanford connected us i met uh andrew at a at a show that a mutual friend of ours uh had it was a one-man show about star wars that david lawson did and it was um, amazing. It was about his life growing up with, it was called The Prequels. And it was about uh, growing up 
uh, with the prequel movies coming out and how that effect, how that affected his <laughs> life. And, uh, Andrew was nice enough to ask me to open for that show. And, uh, Andrew was also at that show and, uh, we've stayed in touch ever since. So actually, I, I interviewed the two of them in a podcast that I co-host with, uh, two other comedy writers, uh, called Yub Nub that we kind of dive into, uh, the, the, all of the connective tissue of, of, <laughs> of how I know Andrew and how I know David, uh, which now leads me to you. Isn't it amazing how life it's works kind of, that way? Yeah, it is, man. Again, like <laughs> I can't tell you the weird connections I made through uh, this podcast alone. And that has to do with other comedians as well. We've had people like Reese Darby, Kumail Nanjiani, um, uh, Brian Husky on the show, all because of their connections through like something they love, which is the X Files. And some of them were yes. even, I think all of them were actually on the show at some point, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, man, for that season 13 of the X Files. Maybe they'll give me a call. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, well, well, the real reason we're here is, um, I, when I started looking at your work, I saw this new animated series that you came out with over at Comedy Central, which is Maurice on Mars. And I'm going to read yeah. quickly the sort of um, quick synopsis of this. Maurice on Mars follows the struggles of Maurice Robinson, a 20-something artist who snuck onto a utopian Martian colony, only to realize it's repeating the same old Earth problems, which does not surprise me <laughs> one bit. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant, man. Um and I want to get into sort of how it came to be and everything, but uh -huh. uh, let's start with who you are. Let's let the audience yeah. get to know you a little bit, if that's cool. How did you first get involved with comedy? Um, do you do just writing or do you do stand-up? Yeah, what's your whole origin story, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my origin story is that uh, I grew up in uh, South Central LA and I wasn't allowed to go outside as a kid, really. Like, I wasn't allowed to go around the block. And it's uh, it's not that I wanted to either. Like, I really loved... TV. I love books. I loved creating my own universes. I love movies. Um, and I love science fiction in particular. Uh, and so it's a, it's a swirl of things. My first true goal in life was to invent Flubber because when the Robin Williams Flubber movie was about to come out, you know how you would get those scholastic uh, book pamphlets. Yes, I got myself the novelization of the Robin Williams version of Flubber. I read that. I went to go see the movie. I was dedicated. And I was like, I want to be a mad scientist. I want to invent flubber. But uh, I was so bad at math that I knew that that was impossible. And so then I, my brain was like, oh, well, clearly the thing that wants me to be a mad scientist is that these science fiction movies uh, keep capturing my imagination, whether it be flubber, whether it be Star Wars. Uh, and so I dove into really wanting to be a filmmaker. I wanted to create the stuff that I that I love. Um, okay. So then that was my, my huge passion. It still is. I'd love to start, uh, you know, creating movies. Uh, I mean, this cartoon is a good step towards that in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, went to uh, Santa Barbara City College for a couple of years to study film because I had a good film program there. Kind of stopped doing college, moved, to, uh, moved back home uh, with my parents. And I was working uh, at a movie theater. Uh, and I had this little thing where it's like I wanted to uh, I wanted to do comedy and there's some people that that knew that because I was the type of guy who would kind of repeat the same casual conversational jokes in any social setting just to see if they get the same reaction that kind of thing and so uh, my, my two friends uh, who had a band they asked me to open for one of their their bigger shows in LA 
And uh, I did. And, and to prep for that, I started going to open mics where it was like I would be the only comedian type of thing. It was like poetry open mics, music open nights. And uh, I loved that. Did the show. It went pretty good. And, uh, and then I kind of hatched this plan with my friend Ian Abramson, who I went to high school with, to, to move to Chicago and pursue comedy. We, uh, <laughs> we uh, you know, did, took some classes at Second City. I started to focus a little bit more on stand-up. But uh, parallel to that, I was still doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So I was, like, in the stand-up world, but I was also being a video producer for different companies, being a podcast producer for different companies. And, uh, and every, you know, step along the way, I kept trying to, like, sort of mold those two resumes together right. and get to a point where they, my resume would start to reflect the things that I wanted to do, which is essentially creating television, creating movies, uh, creating just like fun, interactive stories for people to, to want to dive into. Um, and, you know, that's how, how I got here. I don't know if I can, you know, be cramped into to one label. That's something I have a little bit of a uh, uh, struggle with personally. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm just, a, you know, a comedy, comedy creator, storyteller guy who does stand up sometimes, but writes for television. And nice. uh, knows how to edit a podcast every now and then. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're, hired. you're hired, man. We'll talk off air. I need an editor desperately. But no, well, and you know, I I've come across some videos. I know you worked um, on. Was it the Late Show or the Tonight uh, the Show? The Tonight Show, yeah, the Tonight Show. Okay, Fallon. Yeah, that was uh, my first uh, official TV writing job was on the reboot of All That on Nickelodeon, and that was oh, a dream okay. come true because I loved All That. Nickelodeon is a part of my DNA. It's a part of, you know, the, the comedy that sort of birthed my sensibilities was that 90s Nickelodeon stuff like Hey Arnold, um, Rocco's Modern Life, all that. Good, uh, uh, um, Keenan and Kel, that kind of stuff. Um, so that was fun. Then I uh, wrote for The Tonight Show for a year and a half, all during the pandemic, a very Twilight Zone sort of situation where I'm writing for this uh, uh, historic institution of a late night program uh from my apartment uh and I, had, <laughs> I, had, I had never met jimmy in person still haven't never set foot in 30 rock for the job it was just like a very uh surreal thing but learned a whole lot from that and since it was during the it started off in jimmy's house when i started when all the late night hosts were doing it in their right. house all the way to when it was in the studio with an audience and all that kind of thing i feel like i wrote for five different shows so i gained a lot of skills from that um and then most recently, I, I wrote for a Nickelodeon sitcom, a new one called Warped, which is about a comic book store in a mall and the teenagers who, who work there. And that was uh, very fun. Uh, I wrote an episode called Plagiarize that featured Kevin Smith as a special guest. So that was really cool. I got to meet oh, wow. him in person. Uh, and, uh, and all the while, in the summer of 2020, I had uh, pitched this idea to Comedy Central for this animated project called Maurice on Mars. That uh, and I've been working on that for for two years, and now it's finally out. And I'm excited that people can see it. Uh, sorry, I feel I always feel like I'm rambling on these things. No, okay. man. See, right. this is what I like. I love hearing like the journey <laughs> of a creative and how they got to where they are. Because I'm the same way. Again, people know me on this show as a UFO person, but we all outside of these like big hobbies or interests we have it's more than a hobby for me at this point it's basically a second job i'm not gonna lie um and i love it, it it's as close to being fox Mulder as i'll ever get but um i love hearing like what inspires 
you to create things and, and kind of that journey. And there's so many like tangent questions I want to ask, but <laughs> I know we, we only have limited amounts of time. But like, I think it's great that you got to work with Kevin Smith, even though you didn't get to step foot in 30 Rock for the other job. At yeah, least yeah. you got to meet Kevin Smith over at Nickelodeon, which again, I know. I'm a kid of the 90s. I love Kevin Smith. I love Nickelodeon back then. So I, yeah, think, like- I think you won out in that one, man. I know it's like two elements of the '90s came together in a way that no one would ever expect. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but exactly. uh, yeah, he's he's really cool. I, I think I, I gave like absolutely zero impression on him. Uh, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I never know if I should like fanboy out or I always try to play it cool, and I think a little too cool. But uh, what was amazing is that he yeah. is so dedicated to um providing joy to people like the way that he just kept keeping the crew laughing throughout the day that he was on set it was uh it was absolutely phenomenal like he's he's a true entertainer kevin smith and absolutely uh, yeah yeah a keeper he's like a keeper of of the uh of the flame of nerddom it feels like (laughs) (laughs) yes we're we're lucky to have him love him or hate him love his work or hate his work like you can just see the passion and like yeah he made it to that level where like he can pretty much do what he wants and he continues to do the things he loves and uh you can tell that's in the world of uh, pop culture and comic books and it's amazing. It's amazing to see someone like him and the trajectory he's taken. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming uh, you and I are kind of the same way. Like mm-hmm. if we ever reach that level, which would be yes. amazing. And I think you're, <laughs> you're well on your way, my friend, you're well on your way um, that you stay true to like what you love. And I, I think yeah. that's why he has such a big following. For yeah, sure. definitely. He's, he's like a, uh, he is a sort of a character in the same way that Stan Lee was like, he he's created a, an, an essence that is uh, beyond who, who likely the, the true Kevin Smith actually is. It's almost like he's, he's his own superhero, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it absolutely. makes me wonder who's the, who's the real Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith or Kevin Smith. You know what I mean? Ooh. Who's yeah. The, yeah. He's got the glasses on and who who's doesn't. He- <laughs> yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess, I got to ask, who's the real Tim Bart? Have you, <laughs> have you ever, and you? I'm sure you saw this question coming on a UFO podcast. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever seen a UFO or what you think was a UFO? Have you ever had a weird paranormal experience? Anything uh-huh. like that? I mean, it's hard to, uh, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this on the podcast before, where like sometimes you have a dream that's a little spiritual and the yeah. there, it feels like there's some wiggle room in terms of like what could be an alien, what could be you know something that usually people think is sort of a metaphysical or religious experience. I will say that when I was a kid, I would very often, and I grew up in L.A., so lots of airplanes close to LAX, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I would always think I was seeing a UFO at night driving in L.A., where there's nothing but lights on the freeway, and then you look up at the sky and you see something. And I'm sure that they were all just uh, airplanes, but it was always just like, yeah, I think I just saw a UFO. I had that feeling, (laughs) feeling very often, but um, no, no, I can't say that I have any specific uh, uh, visions of, uh, or memories of, of feeling like I had an encounter with an alien. I had one dream when I was a kid where it was like I had, uh, I was, I wanted to walk downstairs in this dream to get to the fridge. And I feel mm-hmm. like I literally saw Satan at the bottom of the staircase. 
God. But what? <laughs> Wow, he know, clearly maybe. did not want you getting that midnight snack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. What, can I ask? What did it look like? Is it, it like was, a prototypical sort of Satan, or what we have going on there? I, I think it was sort of prototypical. I can't remember exactly. It, was, it, it looked a lot like that sort of. Uh, you know, there's that one character in the cantina scene in A New Hope that has the horns and looks like the devil. Yes. It's kind of yeah, like yeah. that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the only aliens from the cantina I want to see were the the fun the cantina band. To be honest, <laughs> they were fun. <laughs> but it, I think L.A. is probably the best area to be an alien probing Earth because it's nothing but you know it's constantly something in the sky, constantly hearing airplanes landing, constantly helicopters. You know, so it's yeah. it's the best. It is. I spent two years in L.A. and I had the you know the opportunity to go out to like. Uh, the Mojave and stuff like that yeah. and actually go out where there's I can't believe I'm saying this where there's stars <laughs> because you and yeah. I have both lived in LA and New York where yeah. the light pollution is insane and we don't see a lot of there's not a lot of UFO reports in major cities let alone New York mm. or LA but um, you go just a little bit outside either yeah. the Hudson Valley here in New York or um, you know out to like Joshua Tree out in California and you will see something, something mm. extraordinary, whether it's from another planet or not. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's yet to be seen, but um, yeah, whether it's because of the ayahuasca or the, that too. Yeah. 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 We should have prefaced that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well let's, let's get to the core of this Maurice on Mars. How did oh, this yes. project come to be? Um, what kind of inspired you to tackle the issue of, uh, colonization that's kind of the <laughs> overall theme here is yeah. what if we get to mars what if humans finally yes. make it and that is mirroring reality right now it, your 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 series could not come at a better time tim we're we're getting news which we're going to talk about in a little bit about um we're get we're we're almost yeah, there we're there yeah we're getting audio from it yeah yeah uh, so, mars is um, something that yeah. i think i think every uh you know speculative fiction writer every science fiction writer is obsessed with and it, it, it feels like a symbol at this point of uh either a threat or an opportunity for peace and i feel like people have that same thing with aliens and ufos too it's it's either a symbol of like someone who's trying to attack us to probe us to to uh, experiment on us or people who are coming seeking to help us um and so using mars as that symbol and uh, I've always been a fan of Ray Bradbury, who uh, wrote a book called The Martian Chronicles, which is a series of short stories speculating on adventures on Mars. And he also did a lot of stuff that tackled social issues with science fiction as well. He has a story in The Martian Chronicles about these, uh, these black people in the South who pitch together money to build a rocket that will, that will take them away from all of the, uh, the dangers and the horrors of, of America onto a rocket to Mars. And then it's, it's all about how the, the white people around them are rea <laughs> reacting to this news. Uh, and then in another uh, book of his, uh, another collection of short stories called The Illustrated Man, there's a story called The Other Foot, where the concept is that uh, black people left Earth many years ago, 20 years ago or so, uh, for Mars, and they've been living on a colony there. And then uh, 20 years later, all of a sudden, there's a lone rocket uh, to the planet from a white man telling them, okay, we've, we've, we've destroyed earth. World war three brought everything to a halt. We're, we're in extreme danger. Can we please, 
uh, bring some people to your to your land here. We'll do whatever wow. you want. So th- there's also a long history of like dealing with social issues. I mean, of course, with science fiction, science mm-hmm. fiction being a sort of mirror to to what's going on in our actual world. And I had been going through this thing in the past five years or so, where reading all this news about about Mars, seeing that all of these billionaires are, are planning, you know, to privatize space, to privatize, to to kind of uh, bring an element of capitalism and of our Earth experiences to other planets and to outer space, it became uh, pretty concrete in my mind that we are going to be on Mars in about 20 years or so. And so with that being a concrete fact, whether that's a little bit off or not, my question, whenever I was like a couple drinks in with someone at a, at a bar or something, my go-to conversation, because I was, I, this is what I've been thinking about, is, okay, what will happen to religion what will happen to culture? What happens when there are two human cultures, one that's on, on one planet, one that's on another? Uh, right. And how, how will certain things translate when we know for a fact that we are, some people are going to be on another, an entirely different planet? Um, and so with that circulating in my mind, we fast forward to there's a global pandemic. Uh, I'm working for The Tonight Show from my apartment there's the murder of George Floyd, which sparks this massive uh, wave of protests, people having a, a social and, and racial reckoning in America and across the globe. And uh, I'll never forget it. It feels like I, I believe it was the next day uh, after Donald Trump uh, uh, probably tweeted or stated that he was going to sick the National Guard on the, the protesters, the Black Lives Matter protesters, mm-hmm. that the first SpaceX, the first private rocket launched into space. And to me, that was the clearest vision of what is actually happening. You couldn't even write it. It's just like the world is on fire. The billionaires are, are going to, you know, the rich people are going to space. Uh, right. And so around that time, uh, uh, Comedy Central was looking for specific people to create something in the animated space. And I kind of filtered all that stuff that had been swirling in my brain into this one concept called Maurice on Mars, which is, uh, like you said, it's about a struggling artist who works at a coffee shop on Earth, sneaks onto a Martian colony that's supposed to be a utopia. The only job he can get there is also at a coffee shop. And the idea is that everyone who, to keep this a utopia, to make this utopia work, everyone gets a mandatory uh, fact inhibitor chip that blocks certain Earth memories about things like war, things about all kinds of conflicts so that you can keep uh, the peace on this uh, on this colony, but since Maurice snuck on, he doesn't have that chip, and so he's literally the only person who can see how this colony is just repeating the same problems. So he's kind of the only hope for for actual change and, and peace on this <laughs> on this colony. It's sort of wow. a classic, you know, tree of knowledge uh, situation or question happening there, um, yeah. and it's also a parallel of an element of my own life when I had first moved to Chicago to pursue comedy. Uh, I remember one of my first jobs was at a Dunkin Donuts, a horrible job. And then I always had the night shift. So I couldn't pursue my dreams uh, of, of doing comedy at night because I was stuck selling donuts. So it's also about that sort of tension that I think a lot of artists have where you're not allowed to pursue the real thing that drives you because you got to pay rent, you know making lattes or whatever. So <laughs> there's kind of a there. that I, I tried to pack into it's, it's only going to be three episodes and they're all about five minutes, but I tried to pack enough in there that hopefully gets people interested. And if they want more, maybe it become its own show 
or you know maybe I'll just write a series of uh, of novels uh, with this character. <laughs> cool. Well, well, and that's the thing. Like you, the way you uh, you explain, you know, kind of the overall theme of it. Uh, it's very powerful, and I think it's something that. Uh, deserves a bigger space to tell that story and kind of convey the messages you're trying to get out there. And, um, you know, those three episodes, like you said, could literally turn into anything. It could turn (laughs) into a movie, a cartoon, a novel. Um, But it is, it's these big ideas that have been around for a long time, but it's how you convey it to uh, an audience. And I think, again, like we're living in an age now where kind of, I guess adult animation, not, not mm-hmm. like in the sense of like, Oh, XXX, but like adult <laughs> comedy, such like family guy and, and yeah, yeah. Simpson, stuff like that. <laughs> um, they're a big thing now and they weren't really a thing some 20 years ago. Uh, and kind of tackling those social issues, you know, love or hate something like family guy. Like there were times they did tackle some really big things. Same with South park. I mean, that South park was so in your face with it that, it was yeah, brilliant yeah. the way they tackled those <laughs> things. Um, so I love this idea of, again, someone going to Mars and um, just like you said, the same issues start to arise because just because you're going somewhere different doesn't mean it's going to change, I guess, the problems you had on another planet. It's an easy escape from the yeah. problems in, in my in my opinion. Um, and I love the concept too, that Maurice is the only one who doesn't have these memories of, or excuse me, does have these memories of earth and nobody else does. And, you know, we can't run away from what we've done in the past. And, and, um, you know, just because we destroyed earth and go to another planet, doesn't mean we're not going to do the same thing over and over and over (laughs) again. Oh God, it pisses me off so much, man. And I was also, I, uh, yeah, please, please. I was, I also really wanted to create the world of Mars in a way that was casual and not hyper sci-fi because I think sort of like a hyper sci-fi has already been done with shows like Futurama and uh, you know, the sort of, um, and I, I didn't want it to be a world where uh, you know, aliens necessarily exist. I wanted us to, to still have that issue on Mars that we have on earth of not quite knowing if there is uh, extraterrestrial life. But there is one character who very likely <laughs> is an alien, but is in hiding. And so um, a question is, you know, why, why is she there? Is she there to study uh, human life? Is she there to, um, to, to escape something, some, some bigger thing that's happening with other aliens beyond Mars? Is she from Mars? There are a lot of uh, things to be explored there. But I, 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 I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be in that sort of science fiction lane where uh, there are just a tons of you know weird looking aliens everywhere. I wanted yeah. it to be a very grounded uh, science fiction exploration of of humanity, basically, uh, and also funny. And I hope people find it funny too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This ain't your uh, your cantina for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, well, let's let's rewind just a little bit, Tim, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. Could you tell us about the creative team behind this? I've got the little cartoona there. I know these oh, are yeah. the, the animators. I believe they're in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, how did it come to be that you got hooked up with this company and uh, your act, your your voice actors, some pretty <laughs> notable people, I might yes. say. Um, yeah, tell us a little about the creative process, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, it uh, it was a bit of a journey. We uh, uh, there are a few different options of uh, animation companies to work with, and I chose Cartoona because they had uh, they've done so many different styles of animation, and I mm-hmm. felt like I could. And as someone who's new to uh, both writing for animation and creating something animated, uh, I wanted to work with the company that was uh, a little more experienced. Uh, and so that was like a big reason why I chose them. And knowing that they could tackle a lot of different styles gave me confidence that we could figure out a specific style for Maurice on Mars. And uh, beyond Cartoona, I was very excited to bring on this artist, Uche, who has this great webcomic called uh, Vibe Check. Uh, and he's on Instagram as, uh, I think it's U-C-H-O-M-A-A-A. Uh, and he creates these uh, web comics that are so funny. I think his, he has a very unique style. So we brought him on to design the characters. And I think you can see an element of that in uh, the look of all the characters in Maurice on Mars. Um, it, uh, yeah, and everything, it's all this very uh, 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 specific process for animation where we, uh, you know, we had whittled down who we wanted to reach out to for, for, for cast. And I think we, we ended up with a wonderful set of uh, voice actors. We have Lori Beth Denberg from all that, of all that fame from nice. the vital information for your everyday life. She's the voice of beta uh, Maurice's boss. We've got nice. this wonderful comedian and uh, Saturday night live writer, Claire O'Kane who voices uh, 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 Maurice's coworker, Janice. We've got uh, this great comedian, Sean white, not the snowboarder, the comedian to voice uh, this character. Who's like a combination of uh, he's a combination of Jeff Bezos Elon Musk and Richard Branson, and his name is Braxton Tusk, and so oh, he pops up every now and then. And uh, <laughs> I do not want to meet that character. Uh, we've got Ashok Kondabolu. Uh, I used to produce a podcast that he that he would co-host with his brother Hari Kondabolu, uh, and he voices this sort of Martian hipster. Uh, his name is Alistair, and uh, finally we have. Uh, uh, Joe, he's the regular in the, the coffee shop. He's always reading a weird, different book. And he's voiced by one of the greatest comedians of all time, Dwayne Kennedy, a uh, Chicago comic who I think should be a household name. Uh, he, uh, he's just the funniest person in the world. Some of the funniest lines in all three episodes are things that he just ad-libbed while recording. Uh, and uh, I think he's just like, uh, he, it's the best. He's, he's the nice. best. His character's amazing. Uh, and so, yeah. So with animation, it's the first thing you do is, uh, you get your cast. Uh, we, this was, uh, recorded in the, the height of the pandemic. So we sent specialized mics to each, uh, actor, uh, recorded them all individually one at a time. Uh, wow. so we got different styles of, of them saying different lines. And once we compiled all of that, the first thing you get is the radio play. And, uh, that's just the audio, maybe with a few sound effects and, uh, gave some notes on that. And once that's locked, that radio play gets sent off to the animators. Uh, and uh, before it actually starts getting animated, there is uh, a storyboard. So a storyboard artist uh, draws images of what each uh, shot will look like uh, to match the radio play. And that, that gets edited into what's called an animatic. So there's levels of, of uh, notes and approval for each of these steps. Mm-hmm. And the animatic is just th- those images uh, uh, playing alongside the radio play, lock that down. 
you send it to the animators, you get one cut of it, send some notes, get another cut, send some notes. You say, can I get a blink here? Can they smile here? Can, you know, his hand do this, that kind of thing. Wow. And I learned a lot about just having to be super specific um, with my notes because um, there was only, you know, a certain number of rounds of notes that I could give. And uh, I am so blessed that uh, Comedy Central made me completely unaware of the budget so, so I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that uh, you know there probably were a few times that I, especially on the first episode, where it's just like I'm trying, I'm kind of wiggling with what's technically within the means, you know. Um, right. But since the first episode, especially, like I, I had to just could be hyper focused on being as specific as possible with my notes, knowing that uh, there's a limited number of times that I can can you know rev this machine until we get the the locked episode. Um, and it's, it's been just a wonderful experience because as someone who, uh, loves film, uh, studied film, this, uh, uh, animation is filmmaking and, um, it deserves to be, (laughs) to be treated as such. Uh, and there's so many talented people that are involved and that it takes to make, to make something like this possible. And the, I already had a lot of respect going in, but I gained so much more coming out of it. And I, I love animation and would love to, to work uh, in that space more if there's ever, you know, an opportunity. Um, yeah. Again, I'm rambling, aren't I? No, this is so cool. I think, you know, for me, and I hope the audience too, like I had no idea what went into making a cartoon or an animated series. And I, that's, I never dawned on me. Yeah. It's kind of like a play. Like you start with a radio play, like in the old days, you just (laughs) hear it. You imagine in when you're listening to these old radio shows, you are imagining what's happening. What do these characters look like? You're, you're sort of molding it in your head and manifesting it. And um, that's so cool. It, when you see a cartoon, you're like, Oh, it all just kind of falls into place, but no, there's so many, unbelievably yeah. complex steps going into it. So that's yeah. cool that you had like a learning process through it all. And um, now I have so much more respect on how these things are made. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. And it's, it's crazy too, to think nowadays, yeah, you can mail a mic to an actor in Zimbabwe yeah. and have yeah, them, yeah. you know, voice a character for you and boom, like things have changed. This pandemic yes. has really changed the workforce in many, many different ways. Like you mentioned your work with, um, with, with all the, the late night shows and whatnot, like these yeah. were all done remotely, which is yes. crazy to think <laughs> like we're kind of in this age where like, do we need all these, you know, 50 story buildings in new york city or can we just it's almost like we're hooking ourselves up to a matrix of uh individualized matrixes (laughs) yes exactly man um well okay that's cool well i want to before we move on from this series um some of those social issues you know in the first Mm -hmm. episode i watched you've got the idea of colonization and you also have this idea of drones and i don't know maybe i'm off the mark but when i watch the episode these drones they are quote unquote like a law enforcement and um the way they talk the way they do things it's very reminiscent of um some of the social issues we're dealing with in today's world with law Mm. enforcement um and that's kind of what i took from it is this um you know we live in an age where we can literally profile someone in a heartbeat, facial recognition, stuff like yeah. this, which is terrifying and um, 
and scary. And I kind of mm-hmm. saw that played out through the drone characters in, in the first episode. So what are some of the social issues you'll be tackling in future episodes too? Uh, episode two is about sports on Mars. And episode three nice. is about the very first recession on Mars. So when it comes to sports, the, the conversation is about why we attach so much emotional importance to teams and uh, what it means to own a team. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll just say it. Episode two is, is about, it's about uh, th- that Braxton Tusk character who's a combination of, of Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and uh, Jeff Bezos. He owns the only two sports teams on Mars. And so the question arrives, what... <laughs> Love, what? I love a monopoly if I've ever heard one. Yeah, yeah. What does it mean to have a monopoly like that? What does it mean to know that that's a monopoly and not care? And mm-hmm. uh, and what you know, what even is a sport? So we dive into into all of that. Um, I, I, I really think that that just like seriously saying anything and then putting on Mars at the end is already fun and feels like there's so much, so many ways to explore it. You know, so. You know, policing on Mars, sports on Mars, recession on Mars. I think it's just a great uh, uh, way to to draw connections to what's happening in our own reality right now. Uh, but also, hopefully, you know, everything is universal enough that you can attach it to other things as as time goes by. Um, yeah, and I, I just naturally find so much humor in. <laughs> I mean, it sounds horrible. Like the world is horrible, but I think, uh, like many comedians. It's in those tense uh, societal issues that um, uh, a comedic eye can point out certain ironies and still make it funny, but still make it, you know, something that you can think about in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise. And so that that was a big goal for for Maurice on Mars. Uh, And I think like this is the first project that is like something I've made on my own um, and that I think expresses my comedic voice in a very concise way. So I, I'm just super excited that it's out and I hope that other people can connect with it. Um, yeah. Hey guys, Ryan here. The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is a labor of love every week. And with that comes many different costs to keep the show running. That's where our Patreon campaign comes in. You give what you think the show is worth. There's different rewards available all the time, including shoutouts on the show, early editions of main episodes, bonus episodes and content, and very soon, monthly patron hangouts, where we sit back and chat all things UFOs. So I hope you'll consider becoming a Patreon subscriber today. To learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support and keep looking up. Do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to regular people about strange stuff that happens to them. And yes, that includes UFOs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and head scratchers. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music, kind of like I'm doing right now. The stories speak for themselves. Ones like a ghost story involving serial killer Ted Bundy, or the young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. 
Then, there's the story of an alien abduction by what could be considered a reptilian. Now, not all the stories are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, these are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. And remember, stay spooky. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And uh, we should mention, you are in the show. You do play yes. Maurice, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, we didn't even mention that. <laughs> I know. I do play Maurice. And I, I, you know, as vain as that may seem, I do think of him as someone other than myself. And like, if you look, if you look at all my emails, Whenever I give notes about him, I say, can Maurice do this? Can Maurice do that? Can Maurice say this? Because I have to separate him from myself. I think I would be absolutely insane if I were, if I were, you know. Um, but I think for uh, for the the process, it was uh, it just made sense to make the character um, look like me. Uh, I, I, I was uh, up until like the very last minute about the decision, I was kind of torn about should I have someone else play Maurice? Should uh, Maurice have a different look? But I think with this all, like I was saying, being so condensed in what is my actual comedic voice, it, it ended up making the most sense to make Maurice um, look like me. Uh, but yeah. he's he's much younger than me. He has a little more hope than I actually do. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I he's an all-around all sweet guy, that Maurice. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Hey, I've, <laughs> a lot of people... 
who listen and watch my podcast, you know, they sometimes think I'm playing a character. And to an extent, <laughs> yeah, we're all performing in some way, shape, or yeah. form. So I'd like to think of myself the same way. I come off very optimistic on the podcast, <laughs> and then I unrecord, you know, push stop, yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, the world is a horrible, horrible, <laughs> scary place. But hopefully the aliens will come and save us all someday, yeah. someday. But, hey, there's our transition. There we go. Yes. Are the aliens going to save us, Tim? Um, (laughs) Before we get to that question, uh, what do you think? What are your personal thoughts on alien life? Do you think we've been visited? We have thousands of people claiming they've Mm. seen UFOs or they've encountered beings or even been kidnapped by them. I mean, this lore goes back centuries, decades, if not centuries at this point. Um, yeah. But what are your personal thoughts on these bigger questions of are we alone? Um, and and if we aren't alone, what mm. would that mean for our planet if, you know, they did come and land here one day or we did get to Mars and find, holy crap, yeah. they've been here for, you know, billions <laughs> of years. Um, those are a lot of big, broad questions I just asked. I but, yeah. What do you think about alien life? I think there definitely is alien life. I think it's foolish to think that um, that there isn't. And so I'm naturally just always interested in that question of like, when we discover this alien life, how that will affect everything. Because I think it will be a situation that's similar to the discovery that the earth isn't flat or that the the you know, the sun doesn't revolve around earth. We revolve around the sun. I think we have we tend as humans to have this very um, selfish view of things, and uh, I think there is some danger in uh, in how you know the classic the day the Earth stood still situation uh, of how we will react to um, the discovery of of alien life. Um, I also don't think it'll be I, oddly after ex- the experiences of uh, the last few years. Um, I have a newfound appreciation for the human ability to adapt. And I think that we would actually, the two sides of the coin for me are like, the world will be on fire. There'll be worldwide panic. You know, religions will have to shuffle to figure out how they're going to deal with this new knowledge. Do you try to convert the aliens? Do you try and hear what their religions are? Yeah. uh, but at the, the other end of that is that we have the ability to adapt to so many things that maybe this just won't be actually a, as big a deal as we think. I mean, the fact that the sort of UFO revelations from the government came out during this pan- pandemic. Uh, oh, God. It, it, was, it was like the height of just not knowing how to take any information in that that stuff started coming out. Right. Um, I, I, I <laughs> like what a what uh, you know the the fantasy prone part of my brain is like okay what is it going to look like when the government finally admits UFOs are real and I honestly can tell you it wasn't in the middle of a freaking pandemic <laughs> and um you know maybe they thought that's the best time to do it maybe well yeah. hey that's a lot of people think they're like okay we've thrown everything else at them like if we're gonna <laughs> tell them that we've known for decades aliens exist something crashed in new mexico in the 40s and we got bodies like now's the time so i don't know i don't know maybe they're slowly getting there and we got a space force now like so many things happened in the last few years that were in the height of misinformation and just not knowing how to take anything in that like i genuinely want to know like maybe donald trump heard had some weird information that was like you know 
maybe this is maybe we should have a space force. I don't right. know. I, I I don't know what it means. Um, so it, it, I definitely have this this overall feeling that uh, that we are preparing for something. If I were to put my conspiracy hat on, I think the government is trying to prepare us for something. I just don't know exactly what that is. Um, but maybe you know. I, I think there's alien life. There has to be intelligent alien life, the equivalent of ourselves or higher. But, you know, there's, I want to talk, I want to meet, you know, I want to see an alien cow. I want to see an alien, you know, we're so obsessed with the intelligent part. Like, I feel like we don't like an alien bird or, you know, uh, yeah. let's talk about those. Like, I'm sure, ha- has life technically already been discovered on a, on a microscopic level yet on Mars or anywhere else? I'm sure it has. I mean, there have been several times now where um, astrophysicists or astrobiologists have claimed that life has been found. Um, mm-hmm. That there, you know, we we have the 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 lake beds that have been found on Mars where they believe that ice and water had been there for centuries, and mm-hmm. that there was most likely life there at some point. And then you've got these little tardigrade things that are kind of just <laughs> making their way through interstellar space. They can yeah. survive literally in any climate and um those technically those are not from here those are extraterrestrial now Mm. i don't know how much more people need to really i mean they they found like (laughs) microbial stuff in rocks on mars like in the 60s or 70s or something but it it's always it's not enough Tim. And mm. I think that's what people, they want that Martian. They want that yeah, um, yeah. intelligent, sentient life. Um, but hey, if, if if we've discovered microbial life somewhere, those mm. are the building blocks up to what we became on our planet. So yeah. hopefully it's out there somewhere. But yeah, man, I, I'm kind of with you. You know, I've been studying yeah. UFOs my whole life since age 13. And um, I'm no closer to any answers of if we've been visited by something, if that's what are piloting these claimed ufos that people have seen but uh i can say of course i believe in alien life it has to be mathematically (laughs) it has has to be out there so yeah a lot of a lot of questions um there's also the switcheroo theory right yeah please please the uh from uh mission to mars remember that movie i think don Cheadle was in it where the idea is that martians uh left their dna on earth in order and that we kind of <laughs> so we're the aliens somehow yep. like <laughs> there is this idea of panspermia they call it where we were yeah. seated somewhere else in the universe and um we just happened the meteor fell on earth and that's where we <laughs> came out of the ooze and it evolved into the the beautiful i guess i'm using beautiful very liberally uh creatures yeah. that we are today um but but yeah, you, you do truly yeah. have to wonder, are we alien to our own planet? That That's a big, yeah. profound question to ask and and brings up a lot of societal questions, too. Like, you know, what if we do find those aliens? Mm-hmm. Uh, how will that change the way we perceive ourselves? Um, you know, when we see a creature with a billion arms or, yeah. or legs and or or something like in the movie Arrival, like something so what we never expected like abstract yeah yeah and then we look at each other and like wow your your skin's like two shades 
lighter or darker than mine and we're like having riots and wars over this kind of shit like come on look at this look at this thing in the sky let's 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 work together on this please please if there's one thing i agree with ronald reagan on it's we have to come together and realize we're humanity you know so uh, i don't know big 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 questions um you mentioned the government I'd love to put that conspiracy theory hat on for just a second. Uh Um, We have gotten in the past few years uh, word that there was a secret Pentagon UFO program and that they were looking at all these military UFO videos, stuff like that. Um, Crazy, crazy. And then we learned that um, they're creating a new Pentagon UFO program. And there were just congressional hearings on (laughs) UFOs. Again, dude, this is like yeah. my dreams coming true <laughs> in a time where like so much is going on that no one's really paying attention. But mm. um, what do you think governmental wise, if you had to put on that conspiracy theory hat, why now? Why are they doing all this? Um, yeah. You know, we have a crisis, not a crisis. We have a full blown invasion and war going on in, yes. in Europe right now. Um to deal with and then we have oh by the way these ufos our military are seeing they're not Mm. russia they're not china they're not (laughs) ours what the hell are they that's literally what our government said Um, yeah yeah so yeah what do you think why are they doing this all and um if i'm trying to think of prompted yeah if i'm trying to think of a practical reason um perhaps this is an agreement that the governments have to say we're all spying on each other, but we don't want each other to get in trouble because we know that's the deal. We're never going to stop spying on each other. So let's just say that we don't know who. <laughs> that's the. That's that, really that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, we do. We we have to admit like, oh, yeah, we got drones over in Russia. Come on. <laughs> we got satellites. That's how we know yeah. what they're doing. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I really don't. I don't know. I, I, the, my brain goes to, and you know, you have this brain as well, where you're always constructing plots. And, uh, like if I were to make a movie or, you know, my brain goes to the idea that there is intelligent life and the heads of our governments are always making deals with them because they know that we can't handle (laughs) the, uh, the, uh, the level of intensity of of things. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a space Illuminati, you know, maybe there's an alien, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what do they want coming to life? Yeah. What do they want from us? Maybe they asked us to start draining the oil out of earth because there's something they'll get from that. You know, maybe it turns into a nice cookie or something. Uh, (laughs) once all the oil gets drained out, (laughs) that's it. We've solved it. That's it right there. I love it. Well, water too. Like a lot of these UFOs are seen over our oceans and a lot of people are like, huh, do they have an interest in our water? Is that a source of like propulsion for them or do they need Mm -hmm. it on their planet? So they're taking it. Like we don't know, but they, you're right. There are these connections you can make. And I, I agree. I do live in that world of like creating movie plots. And, mm. and I think it's actually, it hinders my, my perception <laughs> of the real world a lot. Cause uh. you know, when this whole Russia thing first started two yeah. days in, I'm like, world's ending. 
Like yeah, the bomb's yeah, yeah. going off. This is it. Yeah. And it took my my partner to sit me down, slap me, and be like, "Ryan, this isn't a movie. Like, there's so many moving parts to these things. And like, yeah. get out of that Mulder esque brain space for just a minute and yeah. realize like the world's much bigger and far more complex than we can truly think." So I agree this, with the show. You. Have you seen the show Brain Dead? I'm obsessed with the show. You have no. to watch it. Do you have Paramount Plus? I do. Yes, I got it you, just to watch the Tonys. There's the theater nerd. You, me, it, yeah. This show is going to blow your mind. It only had one season, and it uh, aired on CBS of all of all networks during the uh, the 2016 uh, election cycle. Okay. Um, and so it is about alien insects who land on Earth in Washington D.C. And they like they go into the brains of people in the Senate and things like that. Uh, half of their brain oozes out of their ears. And so they're in control of all of American politics. And like they they are the reason for the intensification of all of American politics. And it is the most surreal uh, show that you can imagine coming on <laughs> on the CBS network. Okay. Uh, and I, I just, I love it so much. It was so good. Um, and the creators and of, of course that, it probably got canceled, right? <laughs> yeah. It got canceled. But the creators <laughs> yeah. of that are great. Like they have that show evil and um, yeah, like I'm just obsessed with everything that they, that they make. Um, so that my brain goes to those sorts of things too. Sometimes not that I'm, I'm a reptile. Everyone's a reptile kind of like, reptile <laughs> reptilian secret society government kind of guy but yeah. um <laughs> yeah 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 hey there's a time think, and a place for those conversations we won't yeah. go there today but yeah <laughs> but i think there's a human uh need to uh to to even if there isn't to seek this concept of of higher beings and higher powers interrupting and whether or not aliens are real, I think that they could. There could just be an element of that natural need that we have to have some sort of explanation for certain odd phenomena and things like that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, well, I want to touch on. There's been a few recent news stories, Tim, that have yeah. broke, and uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on these as kind of an outsider to the world of UFOs. Um, these stories are mainstream and they're, they're out there like never before. We're getting stories in CNN, Fox, uh, insert mainstream media outlet here <laughs> of UFOs. And it's become huh? like a part of everyday conversation. Um, and I've got a couple videos I'd love to play if you're willing to stick around yeah. and your, your thoughts on these. Um, let yeah. me pull up the first one here. This is a story about NASA and, um, you know, we've got this thing in the Pentagon starting where they're going to look at UFOs over military installations, like hundreds mm -hmm. of reports of these things. Um, but then we've got NASA, who you presumably would think would be the ones to look for UFOs, um, <laughs> find, getting in the game now. Um, so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now. Okay. UFO news. There have been unexplained sightings of flying objects in the sky for decades. The Pentagon recently formed a new office to study UFO reports, and now... Now it's NASA's turn. The space agency launching a new team to investigate who or what may be behind the unexplained sightings. Here's NBC's Gotti Schwartz. 
the effort to uncover the mystery behind those UFO sightings is about to get some help from some serious space pros. NASA announcing it'll form a new and independent team to investigate unidentified aerial phenomena or UAPs, but instead of focusing on classified encounters with military jets, the agency plans to examine data they've already possibly captured and may even include recordings taken by civilians. Just last month, this video shot on an iPhone during an air show in Miami appears to show something shooting up out of the water with people swimming nearby. And I saw it and I was like, what in the... Like, no way. NASA's review could <laughs> Like this possible sighting captured in Utah by a film crew in 2016. I don't think it's a bird. I don't think it's a bug. I think it's exactly what a you know UFO stands for, unidentified flying object. Once the investigative team officially launches in the fall, they're hoping to cross-reference things like video with other data, like satellite images or low-orbit observations made by the space agency. This is what we do at NASA. This is not our first rodeo. We d- discover and explore many, many things in ways that, uh, frankly, at the beginning look almost like a miracle, and then as we go forward, looks like something new we never would have guessed. (laughs) It all comes just weeks after Congress held its first public UFO hearing in half a century, following hundreds of unexplainable sightings by the military in restricted airspace. And while most of those are expected to remain classified, including at least 11 near misses with military jets... More everyday Americans, baffled by what they've seen, are now hoping NASA could soon provide more public answers. Do you have enough data to say what these could be? At this moment in time, we do not have enough data to really conclude. Does that mean that it's not extraterrestrial life? I'm a scientist, and uh, if somebody asks me, is this extraterrestrial life? Frankly, at this moment in time, the simple answer is the right one, which is I don't know. So that... What what are your initial thoughts on that? NASA's finally getting it. I love that last part. I'm a scientist. So yeah, yeah. the the most uh, objective answer I could give is I don't know, which I love. I love. Um, but yeah, NASA is going to be looking at like civilian UFO sightings, which I think is yeah. cool. Like the government's just interested in like UFOs over military installations and like things, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, like breaching national security issues. But now we have NASA, a government funded program, who's going to be like, yeah. yo, you see a UFO, send us the video. We'll try <laughs> to find an explanation for it. I don't know. Um, yeah. What do you make of this? NASA getting involved? I don't know what, what to make of it. You would think it was something in that more uh, um, the military or something or, or something a little more. Uh, something that would at least give the illusion of we think that all UFOs are something to do with, you know, probes from other countries or some sort of spy gear. But the NASA of it all definitely makes makes you uh, first think that this is something from, from outer space. Um, Good point. I think that's kind of the big thing here is, you know, militarily, they're looking at things, you know, just that their pilots have seen flying in the air, but like space breaking that barrier between Mm. sky and space is a whole different story. (laughs) So I'm hoping we're going to get like more stuff from maybe there's videos that were taken from the international space station or stuff like that. Yeah. I want to know more about this department and who's working there and what, you know, when they get a case and they go back to the office and that's, can you imagine? What'd you do at work today? Oh, just looked at UFOs all day. And 
one of them seemed to be, you know, sucking up tons of water from the oceans. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I cannot <laughs> imagine. One almost just, well, that video said too, like the Pentagon, 11 near misses, which is terrifying mm. that like yeah. pilots have almost, or even like civilian airplanes have almost hit these UFOs, mm. no matter what they are, whether they're like an interstellar craft or like a drone, yeah. like people could potentially get it hurt from these things so yeah they probably should figure out what the hell they are in my opinion now it's is there also a theory that that uh these ufos could be uh can they be us from the future is that not a theory dude okay i can't you're i think you are a psychic because that is our next <laughs> video um you are the king of transitions i'm gonna go ahead and play our next video, that is what we call synchronicity, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, let me pull this one up, and then we will definitely have something to talk about on the other side here. A lot of stuff in the papers over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the American government, basically, is, is going public on these sightings of so-called UFOs, unidentified flying objects, by marine pilots. And the more marine pilots who report these strange sightings of objects that seem to move at incredible speed around them, uh, change direction suddenly, no power source visible. The more reports come in, the less inhibited they are at reporting them. And there have been a lot of sightings. They're taking very seriously. They're taking it very seriously. Yeah. What, what do you make of it? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's uh, interesting that the you US government has, has made this public. The, the report is out. There have been over 100 incidents. They're calling them unexplained aerial phenomena, UAP. Uh, there's been a hearing in Congress. Um, of course, there weren't many answers to the questions because uh, that's the whole point about the phenomena is it's still very much unexplained. But I think it's a good thing that there are discussions being had and that this information is being made available. But what do you, okay, what's your private theory? You yeah. must have one. Do you think, do you think these are things from realms beyond? Do you think they're, they're something to do with uh, you know, development of, of secret weapons by China, Russia? I, I don't think it's the development of uh, any state nation uh, or, or non-state organization. Uh, not at all. I think when you see the video footage it is quite remarkable um uh, it does seem extraordinary as to what these machines are capable of mm. um there is no explanation for it uh, there are several theories about um could it be something that has been developed you know in a classified program but then why would this information being made be made public absolutely um, yeah. if that were the case is it some sort of uh, uncrewed uh, uh, sort of robotic type uh, object from another civilization? Is it something uh, I heard one theory where a pilot was talking about potentially in the future they've developed time travel? Is it something that's come back from the future? Uh, so there are all these theories going around about what they could be. But the ultimately, we do not know. Wait. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So, the, again, I can't believe you brought that up. Um, this yeah. Tim Peake, a, one of our – whoops, hold on, sorry. I, there we go. There we go, man. We Exactly <laughs> yeah. what we were talking about, us from the future. This is a interesting concept, and to hear someone like Tim Peake, one of yeah. our like leading astronauts on the International Space Station, uh, bring that up was really mm. interesting because a lot of people just think – Oh yeah, it's ET or um yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's something from another planet. But there's all these other theories out there. Could they mm. be interdimensional? Could they be us yeah. from the future? Um so what do you think? Us from the future, why? Why do you think they would be coming back to uh to visit us yeah. if that is the case? I would I would almost argue that more interesting than it being us from the future, if it's us from the future, it's probably 
a tourist thing or, you know, like, like you get a tourist experience of the past or you're just trying to capture certain things. Um, and the question is at all those spaces that you do, that people document these unidentified flying objects, what is so interesting about these spaces that you're seeing them if they're coming from the future? I'm not necessarily sure, but if they're coming from the past, um, if somehow the technology, this technology existed with beyond our knowledge in the, in the past, and let's say you're Russia or something, and you're trying to get a glimpse of the future so that you can control certain things in the moment. I don't know. For me, that's the more interesting potential for, for time travel with unidentified flying objects. Um, yeah. How do, you, how do you feel about it? Have you talked about it on the show before? Yeah, so there's this really interesting case uh, back in 1980. Uh, this hmm. happened in um, Suffolk, England. Uh, there were two NATO bases, joint military bases, one owned by England, one owned by the U.S. Um, and forgive the ambulance here in Queens, <laughs> if you can hear it. Um, yeah, so two joint military bases uh, back during the Cold War. So we were over there ready if anything got really heated and whatnot. And um, this UFO was tracked on radar and then went into this forest, which was actually, it was called Rendlesham Forest. It was between the bases. Um, mm-hmm. A UFO landed in the forest. So then you had all these military personnel, some like 70 plus officers, um, that went out and actually investigated what the hell is this thing that just landed between our military bases. And when they got out there, man, and there's been a handful or so of the officers who have come forward since this happened Mm. and said straight up UFO, like it was like triangular in, in shape. Um, Mm. it had weird lights. It was sort of just hovering there. And some of them, including the deputy base commander at the time, he went mm. out there with a tape recorder and was recording what was happening in real time. And wow. he said that this UFO that was hovering, it pierced a beam through the bunkers on the base and wow. like affected the nuclear ordinance that was being housed there at the time, which wow. is insane. And this is available. You can listen mm. to the audio recordings of this. I might even put it in yeah. right here. Um, if, if people want to listen to it, it's a little startling, uh, to hear this thing happening wow. back in 1980 and these officers being like, Holy shit. Like what is going on? Like, is the world <laughs> about to end? Are these aliens? Is this Russia? Like what is happening? So, yeah. um, one of these guys says that he touched the craft. It got so mm. low to the ground. He touched it and immediately, some weird code was like downloaded into his brain. I'm not kidding you. This guy has said that when he touched the craft, something went into his head and told him we are from the future. We're here to tell you to stop messing around with these nukes. Um, Like this is going to be really bad in the future. Hence why we're coming back and messing with them so that, (laughs) you know, you're like, stop doing this. And yeah. um, yeah, So pretty crazy. Again, this is one man's claim. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there is a few books out right now by a professor named Michael Masters who uh, mm. has has coined this term. I think it's temporal terrestrials, mm. where it's not so much extraterrestrial from another planet, but it's us yeah. from the future. And wow. he goes into sort of the evolution of, um, like you said, they could be tourists or mm. they could be coming back to try to change 
things a la like yeah. quantum leap in some yeah. in some <laughs> respects dr samuel beckett coming back i don't know but maybe um, it's uh yeah yeah you know how on on google maps they you, when they're trying to get those images of exactly what your neighborhood looks like so that you can do that uh pov thing that 360 thing maybe it's just that maybe it's this is a future google tech coming right? back Could so be. that you can get a 360 image of every uh decade on earth so that you really go back in time and like then that. now you have a downloadable uh <laughs> you can basically watch the past because there's a 3d rendering of it that we've gone back in time to get so you can look at your your grandfather meet your uh your grandmother and you can look at uh <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a little scary. I'm not going to lie. But of all the things, just, that's the scariest that you that, that. <laughs> I want to go back and watch like the Lincoln assassination. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine the things people would want to go back in the past yeah, to like yeah, see yeah. at our present expense. I um, know, yeah. Yeah. Pornhub yeah, really interesting not, theory. Uh, yeah. What'd you say? The Pornhub uh, ramifications of that are, are uh, I'm afraid of <laughs> <laughs> yep yep hey hey we yeah. had to go there we had to go there um tim man this has been so refreshing man to kind of have this conversation with you it's unlike most of our episodes where we just cover like specific ufo cases and stuff like that um but before i let you go um i'd love to just get an idea from you of uh why why you made Maurice on mm-hmm. Mars. What do you want the audience to really take away from um, from the themes that you tried to convey in this? And yeah, what do you hope people take away from watching watching the animated series? Um, I'm hoping that they find the characters endearing and that they want to learn more about them. And uh, ultimately, I just want this to be a fun show that makes people think a little bit in a speculative way about uh, our future and how you know the future of. of the what's happening on Maurice on Mars is potentially a, a result of what happens uh, because of the decisions we make now. And Maurice on Mars intentionally takes place in an unspecific uh, future. There's no timestamp on when Maurice on Mars takes place. Um, and beyond that, um, I think just uh, uh, what excites me about some of the characters is that it, 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 they just explore different questions like beta Maurice's boss uh, is a self-hating robot who uh, <laughs> who who doesn't you know want to be uh, identified as a as a robot and is, is an entrepreneur and so there's questions about you know when when is sentience and how do we define robot sentience from human sentience all very under the surface of, of this comedic cartoon right right that's only five minute episodes but um, and even just like you know. If there were to be more, we definitely would explore a lot about um, alien life, what it would mean to coexist with aliens, things like that. So uh, ultimately, I just hope that, that if there are people who who uh, enjoy science fiction and enjoy science fiction cartoons and uh, enjoy a certain um, casual, low-key comedy, uh, you know, uh, that this stands out to you and that you uh, that you might want more. 
Um, that's all I can say. I, I'm the type of guy who can keep rambling until you start playing yeah. the, uh, sort of the, orchestra, <laughs> the theme the orchestra music. Starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> Cue the Oscar speech music. Yeah. No, man. I, again, like, I know we talked about it at the top of the show, but, um, I think what science fiction and comedy do best is put that mirror back on us. And I think with Maurice on Mars, you've hit a very subtle, uh, way of, looking at ourselves and, and asking these questions. And um, that's very important, especially in today's world. And I think that's what comedy does best. You know, it, it kind of brings the light out of the dark, whereas drama brings the dark into the light. Um, <laughs> I, I think you've really, you've really touched on some powerful things in the limited time you have in an animated series. So I can't wait to see the future of, of the series, where it goes from there. So um, yeah, of course the, Final, most important question: Where huh? can we find Maurice on Mars? And where can we find everything you're up to, man? Give us, uh, give us the shameless. <laughs> Maurice on Mars. Uh, the best place you can find it is on Comedy Central's animated YouTube channel. So just go onto YouTube, type in the words of Maurice on Mars. If you like it, uh, one like or share or a positive review will go a long way. Um, and for me uh, on Twitter, I'm at Tim Barnes four five one. That's the temperature at which jokes burn. You can also find more stuff about me at TimBarnesComedy.com. I just and, got uh, that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, I've, you know, I'm always tweeting jokes, uh, writing for different shows, and uh, hope, uh, you know, you follow me and uh, get some joy out of the stuff that I do. You know what I mean? Just... All right. Don't we all love a shameless plug? That was it. Uh- <laughs> that was it. I, I could tell you're a humble guy. No, um, I loved it, man. I can't wait to check out your other work from here. Um, we'll have links to uh, the YouTube Comedy Central YouTube channel in the show notes and links awesome. to your stuff. Um, but I got to thank you for taking a chance and coming on a UFO <laughs> podcast i'm sure thank you i'm sure when i, I reached out you were like oh what am i getting myself into? but i hope it was uh i it hope was it was fun. a fun conversation yeah and i hope that the regular listeners are not totally disappointed by my my lack of uh, intense knowledge uh i want to learn more <laughs> i want to believe and uh yes uh continue and you're such a great host um if there's ever a reason that you would want me back on uh, or if I ever get abducted by aliens, you're the first person I'm calling. So <laughs> thanks, man. I'm honored on both fronts. I, I really am. Uh, no, we have a very supportive audience here at Somewhere in the Skies. So guys, go check out the series, please, over on YouTube. And um, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it really made me look in the mirror and ask some pretty tough questions, which I think is all you can ask in today's world, and uh, especially in these different art forms. So Tim, once again. Thank you for joining me on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you for having me on. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.